When a mysterious bloodstain is found in a young woman's bedroom, she believes that this is all part of a satanic conspiracy that started when she was in her mother's womb. And then we travel to Canada to take a look at the story of two lumberjacks trudging through a snowy forest. When they see a wolf appear, they fear the worst. Little do they know they're about to watch another battle in the ongoing war between aliens and canines. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got an action-packed episode, so we're going to get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command, this person has been with the show since the early days, but has never been, never driven any vehicles. If anyone is responsible for the success of this show... Is this young lad walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now? You know him, you love him, you hear his voice every episode. Everyone, get on your feet and give it up for my nephew Jace. Woohoo! Yeah, wee! Yeah, he's walking on in. He's wearing his VR goggles. He's barely paying attention to what's going around in the rest of the world. He plays Gorilla Tag all the time. It's a VR game. He's the guy whose voice you hear at the beginning of almost every episode. I mean, I think I started doing this maybe 40, 50 episodes in. I'm a little freaked out. I'm actually a lot freaked out. A lot of people wonder what that sound clip is from. I'll put that episode in the show notes. I get a lot of emails saying, hey, what movie is that from? That kid sure sounds annoying. <laughs> well, that was, that's my nephew, Jace. That's my nephew, Jace. He's not annoying. He's a pretty cool kid. I'll, I'll reluctantly give him that. He is pretty cool. Jace, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Uh, your Grandma just told me that you listened to the episode. You listened to Dead Rabbit Radio. I was like, oh, I got to get him in it. He's got to be driving out of the vehicle. Jace, you're going to be our captain or pilot this episode. If you guys can't be a teenager related to me, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. It's funny, we're coming up to the fifth anniversary of this show. He is a teenager now. He was a little tiny boy. He was a little tiny baby boy when he did that sound clip. Probably, I don't know how old you are now, honestly, Jace, but you're five years older than when you said, I'm a little freaked out. Actually, I'm a lot freaked out. Super interesting. Uh, we got some other stuff to talk about on this episode as well. Obviously, stories of the paranormal, because that's what we talk about on this podcast. This week, I'm sure you guys have been wondering a lot of stuff. First off, I ended Friday's episode with a cliffhanger about a haunted house episode that was coming out. That's going to be Friday's episode. I figured that was actually... So we're going to have Bill, uh, uh, William Fontaine, Dutrev. We're going to have him back in the Carpenter Copter on Friday's episode. To finish out, because it's real, the haunted house story is great. We're going to finish out the season with that. Secondly, I'm sure a lot of you guys are on pins and needles. How come I haven't talked about Fast X? That's all I talked about last week. Now we're on Wednesday's episode. I still haven't talked about Fast X. Here's a little behind the scenes thing for you. I don't always get to do this, but sometimes I like to batch record episodes. So I'm recording the episodes sometimes like three, four days before you hear them. I am going to go see Fast X. <laughs> we really don't care about your review of Fast X, the 10th Fast and Furious movie. I'm recording this episode at 4 p.m. Saturday. In three hours, I'm going to be sitting next to Dom Toretto. 
driving around. <laughs> like, isn't that how movies work? You're just an audience member. You're not actually in the movie. It, that's because you've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie because it feels like you're in the passenger seat in Dom Toretto's car. But anyway, so that's why I haven't talked about it. I'll talk about it on tomorrow's episode. By then, I will have seen it. Um, if I don't mention it tomorrow's episode, <laughs> that means the movie sucked. That means it was so dumb. But I don't think it will be. I think it'll be great. But anyways, Fast X. I'm going to go watch that three hours later. My nephew Jace is getting the Jason Jalopy ready. He's cleaning it up. Let's go ahead. I'm going to toss you the keys. I don't know if you're old enough to have your driver's license, but you're driving us around anyways. Take us out of Dead Arabic Command and drive us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. We pull up to this house. And this is a good story because we're talking about family, right? Family member is driving us around. <laughs> the fam, the fast family. I'll see them in a couple hours. A family reunion. And this story is about family as well. We're about to meet this young woman. We, we don't have a real name. We're going to call her Sarah. And I'll say this. I haven't been saying this for a couple hundred episodes. If that is actually your name, it's just a random name that I've picked up. If your name actually happens to be Sarah and you're listening to this episode, I have not installed any tracking devices in your house. I am not part of a satanic conspiracy theory. I just pulled a name out of my head. Okay? Just so just so we're totally clear because it's one of those kind of stories, unfortunately. We're about to meet this young woman named Sarah. And she's working at her computer one day. As she put it, quote-unquote, doing my business. We'll find out a little bit later what this business may be. But she says, I was, quote, doing my business, working at my computer, and I looked and I saw that one of my computer cables was covered in bloodstains. Super bizarre. You know, it's interesting to think about. Most paranormal activity does not involve blood. Even though a large, especially ghost paranormal activity, demonic paranormal activity, involves death, dying, torture from beyond the grave, in the demons, in the demon example. There's not a lot of blood. Every so often you'll hear about a wall bleeding. You actually hear more about religious iconography in the Catholic Church bleeding than you hear about demons and ghosts causing blood. I mean, outside of movies, it's super rare. So if this truly is blood on this computer cable, it's one in a million. But here's the interesting thing about Sarah's story. She doesn't know what it is. We obviously don't know what it is. We can't test it. And when I say she doesn't know what it is, it's not that she's looking at the cable going, is that blood? Well, she is doing that. (laughs) That's why she's posting this online. But she did It's so confusing because when I was reading her post, she first said, quote, I thought I thought something caught fire, but the more I looked, the more it looks like blood rather than fire. But then the very next sentence, she said, this is what I don't understand. And we're just starting. (laughs) We're just starting off. Very next sentence, she says, quote, the only thing that caught fire is top of the cable where the bloodstains come from. So did something catch fire? Like at a certain point, at a certain point you can excuse grammatical inaccuracies or bad grammar. You can 
excuse that. But what I don't understand is I thought something caught fire versus it did catch fire. The only thing that caught fire. I don't. So was there a fire? And I don't know. I don't know. Like, again, the question of whether or not there's blood on this cable. They're very well, maybe. But was there a fire as well? And you go, Jason, now you're just basically making fun of someone who doesn't know how to express themselves through words, right? Basically, that's not what I'm doing. I mean, maybe kind of, but I wouldn't cover it. I would cover if blood mysteriously was appearing because, again, that's quite rare. I'm not covering this just because I don't know whether or not there was a fire. There is a big difference between saying I thought something caught on fire and then the next sentence saying the only thing that caught fire because I don't know if there was a fire. Why am I covering this? Why am I just going to go on for 10 minutes about sentence structure? No. Originally, I looked at this. I go, wow, that's kind of weird. Blood just appearing. And then I go, well, that's kind of weird. I don't know if there was a fire or not. But... Then she mentions, and this was, I was like, okay, okay, we're going to have to talk about this. This is insane on multiple levels. She, she mentions that she lives with other people and she's afraid of them. And she goes on to explain, because she's talking about blood, she's talking about fire. She goes on to explain that she thinks the people she lives with either have killed somebody, fairly recently killed somebody, I don't know if they killed them on top of her computer, but she goes, the people I live with have either killed somebody or sacrificed somebody to demons for money. So they either killed somebody for no particular reason or killed somebody, but but had a reason, and that was to gain material wealth. I was like, okay, I got to look a little more into this. The blood thing, you, you had me at bloody cables. But now she says she lives with people who are either murderers or Satan worshippers and murderers. And and uh, either way, either way, I'm going to cover it on a paranormal podcast. Who are these people she's living with? So I went and I looked. She posted this thing about the blood, blood on her computer cables only seven days ago. So early May 2023. And then back on May 5th, 2023, seven days before that. She posted this thing online saying, I'm stuck. That was the name of her post, I'm stuck. And and basically she goes, I don't understand why people are staring at my hair. Right? Now listen, here's the thing. I'm stuck. My attention is stuck on this already, already by this narrative. I know that... This is what we have so far. Blood has mysteriously appeared in her bedroom. There may or may not have been a fire. She's afraid of the people she lives with. They're either... They're not not murderers, right? There's only two options. They murder people or they murder people for money. And then the next post I find, her biggest complaint in the world, remember these people might be murdering people on top of her computer cables... Her biggest problem is that people are staring at her hair. She goes, I don't understand why people keep staring at my hair. When they're talking to me, they're looking at my hair like I have something in it. But I don't have anything in it. I wash my hair all the time. I don't have lice. Okay, okay, again. Possibly living with murderers. 
This is the problem that she has. People are constantly staring at my hair and I don't understand what they're staring at. I'm wondering if they're trying to make me go bald. So, and we're not even <laughs> we're not even close to done with that post, but again, I hate to keep interrupting myself. I read the first thing about the blood on the computer cables, thought it was weird, got my interest peaked in devil-worshipping murderers killing people on top of computer cables, and then we're in a whole different world, right? There, there there's, there's, It's always interesting when we look at the world of paranormal, because you can go, this is, yeah, we believe in the world of paranormal that there's demons, that people can make deals with demons, that blood can magically appear or disappear, all sorts of things. I guess we believe in curses as well, but when I was reading this part, I don't personally believe curses affect me. I think they only affect you if, if you allow them to affect you, but I think it's super interesting because when I read that about people constantly staring at her hair and she doesn't have lice and she doesn't understand, I immediately kicked in my head, gang stalking. Like, now we're in a different realm. Now we're in a realm of someone who's ultra paranoid. Like, I get it. Listen, if every time I talk to somebody... They were staring at... I honestly, I probably wouldn't even notice. I'm, I'm the worst person to gang stalk. I'm barely aware of surroundings. I don't know why. It's weird. I'm hypervigilant and then also incredibly perceptually lazy. If everyone stared at my hair, I don't know how long it would take for me to pick up on that. And then eventually I'd just think, oh, maybe they like my haircut. But she thinks they're staring at her hair to make her go bald. And I go, okay, so I think this is actually a gang stalking situation. When I read that, I go, I bet you the people she's stuck with aren't actually saying words. You're like, Jason, it took you that long? It took you that long to figure it out that maybe, just maybe, she's not living with a bunch of serial killers. Uh, I go, okay, so I think she is a paranoid. And it's in this post which was, I don't want to say it was exactly the, so this post was posted May 5th, the other one was posted about seven, eight days later, so. There's my gang stalkers in the car. We talked about them on an episode. They like to rev up outside my house when I'm exposing the truth. This was posted May 5th, I think the other one was posted about seven, eight days later. So May 13th, around that. This one, we find out who she's actually living with. I was thinking a bunch of roommates, right? I was thinking that she probably answered an ad in the newspaper. Cheap rent, good roommates, <laughs> bloody cables, bring your own cables, bring your own computer cables. There will be blood. She's like, what? Ah, oh, the rent's good. She ends up living with these random people who turn out to be maniacs. No, her family. She accuses her own family of not only killing people, possibly devil worship, right? It's either they're murderers or they're murdering people for demonic reasons. She, it's her own family who are these maniacs. She's stuck living with her family. She says, Sarah goes, I figured it out. I don't know how she came to this conclusion. And to be honest, I'm so curious. I'm so curious. I tried looking through her other posts and that's where we find out what she, I guess, does for a living or tries to do for a living. Sarah said that she was Sarah said that she discovered that her mother is not her mother. Her mother, Sarah's mother bought Sarah from a baby black market ring. Sarah believes that she was kidnapped as a baby and then sold to her family. 
which that stuff exists. That that does exist. I don't. I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that she's not part of the baby black market, but it does happen. Unfortunately, it does happen. She said that my family bought me from the black market, and I know this because th- this is an interesting. Okay, like you, broken clock is right twice a day. I don't know if this is true, but if this part's true, then something, something definitely is going on. She said, I know I was bought from a baby black market because whenever the police or social workers show up, my family runs away. <laughs> now, if that detail is true, they might be killing people. If that detail is true, it's possible that Sarah was purchased from a black market. I wonder, I've never in my life ever had a visit from a social worker. I've had cops show <laughs> I've had cops show up at my place before, but I've never ever had a visit from a social worker. It would that is an interesting thing because it is I'm not saying that they're devil worshipping murderers or that they buy babies from the black market. However, if let's put it this way, if a social worker shows up at a house and the family runs out the back door, <laughs> there might be something to her story. <laughs> she says, though, that one day, I think she specified her mother, but a member of her family ran away when someone with a badge showed up. So now again, I'm just confused. Was that like a security guard? Was it uh, the Paw Patrol? Was there some kid wearing a Paw Patrol shirt and the mom ran away? She's like, oh, I didn't buy that baby. I should have bought that baby. He's so cute. Runs away crying. I don't know. But I will say this. If you're constantly running from the police and the social workers, you probably have you probably have something to hide. I apologize if that is you. I apologize if right now you're running away from the social workers. You're like, oh, he's making fun of me. It, 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 it's odd. <laughs> it's odd to say the least. But here's the thing. She, one of the other pieces of proof for this whole story, because while I can say a broken clock is right twice a day, it's wrong literally every other minute of the day. She does say, hey, I have another piece of proof. Let me read this to you because I don't know if I have any other way to sum it up other than her words. She says, quote, I also have a mark on my body, which no one in this quote unquote family has. The woman I called mother up until now told me... She, okay, so I, I'm guessing a birthmark. Because I know, like, if you're, like, sleeping... I don't know anything about female biology. I barely know anything about male biology. But apparently you get a birthmark if you're rubbing up against the stomach for a while. Like, you're floating around in the uterus and you're like, Ah, being a baby is hard. I'm going to take a quick nap. And then you wake up and your arm's purple. I don't know if that's actually how it works, but I know that you can get birthmarks and you get them from like rolling around in the womb or something like that. I'll put some links in the show notes, but I know you can develop birthmarks in the womb for whatever reason, however it happens. So when she says, I have a mark on my body, which no one in this family has, I figure, oh, it's a birthmark. And she kind of proves that in the next sentence. But the reason why I had to pause and break this down, because the next sentence I don't think, and again, I know very little about biology. Very little. I don't think the next sentence is possible at all. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Let me read it to you. 
I've also had a mark on my body which no one in this family has. The woman I called mother up until now told me she was scared of giving birth. And I was left in a womb. This one's in around a... a uh, Jerry, where's that spare womb we picked up at the estate sale? I want to put the baby in there for a while. I was left in a womb, which doesn't make sense now that I think about it. Because how could she move when her water broke down? A lot of things don't add up here. Unquote. So what I'm thinking is that this story's true. That the mother didn't want to give birth. Or she was scared to. Which is fair, right? It's pretty disgusting, terrifying. Her water broke. But she kept the baby inside of her. For a while. <laughs> we don't know how long. Was it another couple hours? Was it two weeks? His little baby. You actually hear the baby crying in her womb. Her husband's like, dude, seriously. <laughs> I'm trying to sleep. That baby is two weeks overdue. I don't even know how it's in there without any of that ambiotic fluid. I'm pretty sure when your water breaks, she's not the tin man. She doesn't. A pregnant woman, when her water breaks, she doesn't freeze in whatever position she was in when it broke. Most likely the position of her grabbing her crotch. You know, I don't know anything about it. I've only seen movies. But the water breaks and then the lady kind of waddles around and she gets into the back of the taxi cab and gives birth. You know, stuff like that. I don't think you become an immobile... I don't think you become an immobile husk. I don't think it's all of the woman's water is gone. She instantly becomes dehydrated. She's the mummy. But from what I understand from this story, if I can piece it together, her mother... Well, she says this isn't even her mother, right? She goes, I was bought on the baby black market. But then she's told her origin story for her mark was that the water broke and the mother, like, stuck a cork up in there so baby Sarah couldn't come out. And then it left some sort of mark. But I don't know if any... First off, I don't know if any of that's true. And I definitely don't know if any of that's possible. I think babies just kind of come out at a certain point. I don't think I don't think it's like poop. I don't think you can hold it in. I mean, maybe <laughs> I don't know, but uh, <laughs> whatever the case, man, this is just nuts. She says that these are the saint worshippers she's stuck with. Was a mother who bought her from a black market, but also didn't give birth to her when she was supposed to come out, held it back. I mean, it's like an eight pound bowling ball with arms and legs pushing through your uterus that's perfectly formed for things to fall out of it. It also rips the woman to shreds, by the way. If we're getting graphic, it's super gross. That's the stuff they don't tell you in the Cabbage Patch commercials. You just think babies come out like a little grody, a little covered in juice and stuff like that. But no... They can get real shredded down there. <laughs> I'm not talking about weightlifting. That's not a snowboarding reference. It can just rip you open. The baby's going to come out. I don't know. I think you can kind of hold it in, maybe for like a couple hours until you get to the taxi cab, and then you're stuck in traffic, you have to give birth. But I don't think you can just be like, oh, I really want to watch this marathon. I really want to watch, uh, I really want to finish season seven of Game of Thrones. So uh, you can wait for a couple of weeks. Anyways, she lives with a bunch of saint worshippers who either bought her from the black market or kept her in the womb too long. We don't know. 
Was there blood on the cable? We don't know. Was there a fire or was there not? We don't know. What we do know is that Sarah... Imagine living in a house with somebody. This is always so interesting to me. Living in a house with someone who believes that you are a murdering Satan worshiper who bought you off the black market (laughs) at best, right? That's the best case scenario. The other one is she overcooked her baby and kept her in the womb for as long as possible. Imagine that. That is a terrifying thought. There's a lot of Sarahs out there. There's a lot of people who are struggling with mental illness. And they live in totally, I don't want to say normal, but and they live in totally otherwise functional households. Sometimes you can tell that someone's suffering with mental illness, and sometimes it's, I'm sure they, (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but I'm sure. Sometimes it can be hidden, right? Sometimes it can be hidden. I'm they they must have some idea. If she's writing this type of stuff online, then you just have to imagine what she's talking about to her friends. Hopefully she has a support group. Hopefully that she does have friends that can encourage her to go get help. I I I think it's the gang stalking thing. I think she's suffering from some sort of mental illness. And what I find really interesting another sign of this well, I, I don't necessarily think this is a mental illness, but it, extreme gullibility. Because when you look at Sarah's profile online, it's either talking about this type of stuff or getting scammed on crypto subreddits. Like she's all over this thing called, what is it, like cash out app? I don't know what it is. But every every post in the cash out subreddit is where's my where's my money? I didn't get my money, so I'm pretty sure it's a scam. Um, every post is where's my money? Where's my money? I was supposed to get my money. So I mean, uh, you're just falling for scams constantly, constantly falling for scams. Uh, a lot of listen. I got nothing about crypto. I got no problem with crypto. But if you're joining subreddits like Free Crypto, it's probably a scam, man. You gotta think. You gotta think. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Not everyone who falls for a scam is mentally insane or <laughs> was bought on the black market. I'm not saying that, but I, I wonder what the Venn diagram is between people who believe in gang stalking, people who believe everything is against them, and then people who... Actually, to be really small. I don't know why I thought this would be a big Venn diagram. Gang stalking victims and people who fall for crypto scams. It's actually probably just her. It's probably a Venn diagram with just one person in it in the middle. Everything else. I I wonder what the gullibility factor, how that plays into some of these paranoid delusions. Because if you're super gullible and you read something online about, say, gang stalking, you may immediately fall for it. You can be gullible and believe in any paranormal event, too. But if you believe in ghosts, 99% of the people who believe in ghosts, they find it fascinating. They don't let it control their daily lives. Even if they're a ghost hunter, even if they're a professional paranormal researcher, like I obviously spend a lot of time talking about the paranormal and researching it and thinking about it, but I don't let my daily life be determined by hunches or omens or anything like that. I just go out and live my life. But if gang stalking is completely invasive, like that's the problem. It, it ruins your life. And I wonder what the 
crossover is between people who have a high rate of gullibility and people who believe or people who are paranoid who believe everything is stacked against them because gullible people believe everything they see and paranoid people don't trust anything they see they think or or they think they're self-important and everything is aimed at them i wonder what that crossover is but sarah i hope the best for you right i don't think that your family saint worshipers I don't think you were left in the womb too long. I don't know if that's possible. I'm sure I'll get several emails. I'm sure I'll get a lot of photos proving me wrong. But uh, I wish you the best. I think that probably the best in this case would be finding a counselor that you trust, a therapist that you trust, and start working through some of these issues. That that would be my advice. But who am I? But <laughs> a man who sits in a room recording a paranormal podcast as he... Patiently waits for Fast X to come out. Who am I to give it personal advice? Jace, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Sarah's house. And again, we wish you the best. Jace, fly us all the way out to Canada. Jace, flying us all the way out in the Carpenter Copter taking the scenic route i see it's taking us a long time to get all the way to our destination we're headed to quebec canada specifically a region known as a lake it's january this is an interesting story because this is one of the stories where we have dates but we don't know which one is which this story either took place on january 8th 9th or 10th in either the year 1939 or, <laughs> or 1940, okay? So we don't have a particular date for this story. It is winter in Abitibi Lake. That's in Ontario in Quebec, Canada. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's 2.30 p.m. It's a sunny day. It's also, I don't even, again, I had to fact check this to see if this is even possible. Apparently it is. Beautiful, sunny, Sunday afternoon. It's winter in Canada. It's negative 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's like <laughs> that's like the temperature on the moon. You generally need a spacesuit for that. Apparently, that's not even the coldest that it gets in Canada. Negative 60 degrees. We're about to meet these two lumberjacks who are walking through the woods. I don't think this... <laughs> I don't think this is a nature hike. They seem to be quite miserable. They're walking around with their snowshoes on. I think they're just trying to get home. But we're about to meet these two lumberjacks. One is named Hormidas. His last initial is L. And then the other... These are probably French names, right? The other lumberjack is named Damas Landry. So Hormidas and Damas... It's a long, arduous journey walking through the snow. They're exhausted at this point, and they go, it's time to take a sit. Time to sit down and <laughs> enjoy our impending doom. I mean, it's funny because I'm thinking of that because it's negative 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which I still have a hard time not believing that's a typo. I'm assuming that they weren't going to die. I'm assuming that these two lumberjacks go, oh, it's a brisk morning. Let's just... Take a sit. I'd be afraid to sit down on such a cold day. I think I would die. But speaking of death, they may not think that they're going to freeze to death, but all of a sudden, they see a wolf walking through the forest. It's coming through the forest at them. 
not necessarily at them. <laughs> I think they would be more alarmed. The lumberjack said that it got within 40 yards of them, this big wolf, and then also sat down. Which is a weird detail. I don't know a lot about wolves. I was telling the story to my friend Sabine, and I told her the whole story, and she goes, to me, to me, the weirdest part of the story is the wolf sitting down. That's very unwolf-like behavior. It sees these humans nearby. Why would it just pop a squat and just hang out? Well, it's funny because, and we'll get into it, but I go, it's possible that the wolf sensed something in the forest, something the lumberjacks couldn't see. But the wolf knew there was something inhuman in the woods. So counterintuitive to what a wolf may usually do when they're around two burly lumberjacks. It said, you know, I'm going to take a seat. I'm going to sit down because I don't know. I truly don't know what's in the forest, but something's coming. The wolf's theory was correct. The lumberjack said that shortly after the wolf sat down, six, it's funny because this story takes place in the 40s, so we don't, they're not using a lot of the terminology we use today, but basically they said six humanoids, six aliens, began walking through the forest towards them as well. And the way that they described these humanoids, they were all about two and a half feet tall, had yellowish skin, small eyes, very small chins, and the top of their heads were almost completely flat. A weird detail, I can't picture this in my head, but a weird detail that the lumberjack said is these humanoids had ears that looked like, quote, small falling triangles. I can't even really picture that, outside of, like, thinking of a Muppet, little felt ears on. They were all wearing the same green puffy suit, almost like a jumpsuit, but their head was exposed. I don't know if they had gloves or shoes on, but they had on these green puffy suits, but nothing covering their face. And in an interesting detail, the lumberjack said that, You know, we're sitting there in the snow and we're breathing and we can see our breath. We can see the condensation come from our mouths. We can look over at the wolf and when he's breathing, you can see the condensation. You can see the steam come out of his mouth. But these six men walking through the forest, there was no steam coming out of their mouths. Another interesting thing to note is that the Lumberjack said that all six of these people looked exactly the same. Exactly the same. They said it was almost as if they had come off an assembly line. So you may figure, android, right? They're not giving off any steam when they breathe. They all look absolutely identical. Is it possible these were some sort of mechanized entities made to look like living organisms? But, you know, if they're all, <laughs> they're all standing next to each other, they all look exactly the same. They're in negative 60 degrees weather. You can, t- you can tell, that's when you could start to tell, well, w- wait a second, that's not a human. They're not having the natural human traits that humans have. These humanoids, they turn, simultaneously, all turn and look at the lumberjacks. And then they all turn and they look to the wolf. 
the humanoids started speaking to each other in a language that was described as similar to Alagonquin. Alagoquin? Which is a native language. It's a language the native people in the Americas. It wasn't exactly that, but they were the lumberjacks were familiar enough with that language. They had heard it before. The humanoids were speaking in a language similar to that, and they were talking amongst each other. And then one of them, one of these humanoids, steps forward from the group. And despite not wearing any snowshoes, I think they were wearing shoes, but they weren't wearing any snowshoes, they perfectly walked across the snow towards the wolf. This humanoid breaks off from the group and begins to approach the wolf that's just sitting there. And it walks up to the wolf, raises one hand, and begins to speak in that strange language to the wolf. The wolf looks at this humanoid who's trying to communicate with him. Right? You have this... For whatever reason, they saw the humans, they saw the wolf, figured the wolf was the advanced form of life on this planet. Walked over to the wolf. The guy raises his hand, begins to speak in the strange language, and the wolf looks at this humanoid, jumps to his feet, and tears him to pieces. <laughs> It's a brutal attack. It's a savage attack. It is so incredibly fast. This humanoid doesn't have any time to react, right? He's raising his hand. He's trying to talk. And the wolf is immediately just tearing him to shreds, pulling his arms off, ripping through his guts. He shreds this humanoid to bits. Damas and Hormidas are watching this unfold. Right? You didn't expect to see any of this. You figured maybe I'd see a wolf. You definitely didn't expect to see six weirdos walking around. You didn't expect one of them to be brutally mauled to death in front of you. Damas picks up a branch and throws it at the wolf to try to stop the attack. <laughs> right? He can't get in the middle of it because the wolf's just going to eat him too. But he picks up a branch and he throws it at the wolf. And when it hits the wolf, the wolf runs away. Like, that's what freaked it out. I think it probably did attack in some sort of self-defense. Or maybe it was just hungry enough to think about it. It did sit down. Maybe it was hungry. But this wolf was just sitting there until this little guy walked up to him. The wolf just begins ripping him to shreds. But when that branch comes flying out of nowhere and hits the wolf, the wolf freaks out and takes off running through the forest. So Damas... And Hormidas are both now sitting there. And they're staring at this pile of guts. It wasn't a robot. It wasn't an android of any sort. This was a living creature. And its innards are spread all across the snow. Arm is ripped off. Half a leg here. Blood is continuing to spurt out of open wounds. And even now, as the warm blood is spreading across the white snow, there is no condensation vapor. 
there is no steam rising from the innards of this recently killed alien. The lumberjack said that the other five remaining aliens, I mean, again, for lack of a better term, what were these things? They walk up to the remains of their comrade, and they're kind of staring at it. They said they stared at these guts for about five minutes until one of them calmly pulled a bag out of a pocket or some sort of pouch on their clothing. He pulls a bag out and begins to scoop up the body parts and throw them into this bag. I don't know why this was the tr- I don't know why this was the trigger but when they were picking up the guts I mean they just saw this thing get mauled to death as they were picking up the guts that was fine as they were picking up the guts Hormidos begins to vomit he thinks that's the grossest thing he's seen he begins to vomit but the aliens pay him no mind they end up scooping up the arms and the guts and they're throwing it into this bag and then the aliens these remaining five humanoids begin to walk away Hormidas and Damas, they're like, okay, we have no idea what just happened. We have no idea who those guys were or what just happened. But now that these humanoids have turned their back to the humans and are making their way through the forest, Hormidas and Damas go, let's follow them. Let's, let's, let's investigate this. Let's see where they're going because what in the world just happened? So they do. They begin to follow them through the forest, but they said... Because they did, these these aliens didn't need snowshoes, they were easily able to make their way through the snow, however that worked, however that was possible. And while the lumberjacks could see them far ahead moving through the forest, they could not catch up with them. The two lumberjacks who were experienced snow walkers still could not keep pace with these humanoids that were just casually <laughs> wandering through the area. But eventually they are able to follow them they lose sight of them but they're still able to follow they're still going in this direction we're, we'll guess they keep going through until they arrive at a giant hollow basin in the ground and they look down and they see this huge depression in the soil and they go okay so the next step i guess is that one or both of us have to go into this basin to see where they went like this is the direction they went in right but before they could decide who went first into the this opening in the earth, I don't know how deep it was or how big around it was, but while they were trying to figure this out, all of a sudden, deep within the earth, they hear a loud explosion. And they go, okay, <laughs> I think this adventure's over. I was all down to be a goonie before I heard a massive explosion underneath our feet. Uh, let's just go back home. <laughs> Our adventure is over. Let's leave. Well, it's funny. I said go back home. They had one stop to make first. They went back to the site of the attack. They wanted to see, you know, because now they got their wits about them. They're not worried about being killed themselves or blown up. They go back to where the attack was, and they see that there is a piece, not of a body part, or an organ that the aliens left behind, but an actual piece of the green puffy suit laying in the snow. That was left behind. The aliens are just scooping up the biological matter. There was a piece of one of the green suits they were wearing, 
And it still was stained with like a brownish colored blood. And it, it again, in a very realistic point in the story, a lot of times these stories can really come down to the details. The story goes, yeah, that makes sense. That, that's what people would do. Like the a giant story we covered the other day, the giant in El Salvador. These two guys are looking at this puffy suit, this, you know, say a sleeve or a pant leg of this puffy suit. And they go, I want it. <laughs> and the other guy's like, no, I want it. And they go, why don't we just cut it in half? Because we both want, we both want a memory of that time we watched something get brutally killed by a wolf. They both wanted the souvenir. So they tried tearing it in two so they could both have a piece. That is what two people would do if if something like this had happened. They tried tearing it in half. They can't. They said it was like a, a green gelatinous rubber. And they're trying to pull it apart so they could both have a piece, and they can't. And then one of them goes, oh, we're lumberjacks, so let's use an axe to cut it in half. And I don't know if they had the axe on them. I don't know if they take their work with them wherever they go or if they took it back home to one of their homes and pulled an axe out. But whatever the case was, they have the gelatinous rubber there. And with an axe, they begin hacking away at it. It still will not split in two. We don't know who eventually ended up with the gelatinous rubber. This is an interesting story. I got it from thinking about it docs.com. They got it from an author named... Gene Ferguson, who's a noted UFOologist, noted author in this realm, they wrote about it in an article, I believe, I think I believe it's an article, not a book, called Enigmas of the Present Time. And in this narrative, they say that according to a Quebec UFOologist named Donald Sear, that Sear himself had spoken to family members of these two lumberjacks, and Different family members were like, oh, no, we remember them telling us all about that. That story actually happened. The, well, at least we were told it was. It was kind of passed down along the family. Hey, you remember you remember when good old Uncle DeMoss watched an alien get ripped in two? The people were still talking about this in the family, which is a story you would tell people. Right? You would tell people about the time you were in the forest and watched a wolf eat an alien. We don't know who ended up with the gelatinous rubber. We don't know. I mean, I'm assuming it's still here somewhere on Earth. It's a fascinating story for multiple reasons. One, you have aliens, right? I mean, you have aliens in it. That's always fascinating, too. What I was thinking about this the other day. What is the connection between wolves, canines, and aliens? Because that is not something that I ever thought we would see a lot of. It's funny because I did, uh, every so often I did a dog versus an alien story. We covered that story about like the alien invasion of Israel. I'll put that episode in the show notes. And if I remember correctly, aliens were constantly beating dogs up in that story. And it would pop up from time to time in other stories. And then I did a whole dogs versus aliens week because I found a bunch of them like in a couple days. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And since that, now it's on my radar. We recently did one where a reptilian ate a dog, like in one gulp. We have this one where a wolf's eating an alien, and it always seems to be this tit-for-tat. And I'm wondering what the connection is. The only thing I can think of is the only animal that you can constantly find in human settlements, in human-controlled areas, are... Well, there's a lot of them, but I'd say canines are not only a common one, 
But a house cat, <laughs> if a reptilian broke into your house, the cat's gone. It has no loyalty to you. It's out of there. It's going to go find someone else who's serving Fancy Feast. But a dog will also view that area as its own. It will defend that area, if not defend the family. And I'm wondering if that's why we're having... Because if aliens are constantly interfering with the affairs of humans, then technically they're also going to be in areas with lots of dogs. And a cat cannot take on an alien, a goldfish, a parakeet. <laughs> While I would pay money to watch those fights... The alien would always win, but dogs are basically built to survive. Well, I guess all animals are. They're not. They've been wiped off of the uh, food chain, but dogs are vicious. When you push comes to shove, some dogs are just maniacs to begin with, but you have these dogs and they're built for combat. And in a way that a cat, like again, a house cat's not going to kill a human, but a, a average backyard dog could could totally ravage a human. And so they could go toe-to-toe with an alien. And it was, it's another interesting thing is there's no clear winner in this ongoing war between canines and aliens. Like, it's almost tit-for-tat. So that in and of itself is fascinating. The idea that the aliens looked at the lumberjacks, looked at the dog, and then, and then went to go communicate with the dog is something <laughs> something out of like a Farsight comic book. We found the intelligent person in this house, and it, you have Rover sitting there as the housewife and house husband are watching television. That that sounds like a Farsight comic book. They go to communicate with the wolf. The wolf tears them to shreds. Why? It, it, it's interesting to note, like I have an upcoming story that really, well, we're going to have it next season, but how dumb are aliens? <laughs> I mean, it just sometimes they do stupid things sometimes they say things that are wrong we did a whole episode on that they'll make predictions that don't come true they'll say stuff that is scientifically wrong that we know is wrong nowadays i'll put that episode in the show notes but sometimes they just are idiots so what is that and again like were you could argue jason these maybe not necessarily be the space aliens if they're going into the earth maybe it's some hollow earth type of alien but i would still argue that they should be smart enough to know that wolves are vicious and then the idea again like sabine said the weirdest part of the story was the wolf sitting down a wild wolf sitting down just 40 yards from humans i think the wolf knew something was up they were smelling something or sensing something that the two lumberjacks they were just not humans aren't built to perceive a lot of this stuff the wolf sat down and at any other time the wolf would have evaded the humans or if it was hungry enough may have attacked if it saw just one of the humans walking through the forest but i think there is a common kinship when push comes to shove between the inhabitants of earth and that wolf is like listen you guys might <laughs> you guys might want to kill me or you guys might be scared of me and throw <laughs> throw a branch at me but there's something worse out here and, you know, strange bedfellows. Like, I am going to sit here just around these humans because I don't know what's coming. I'd rather be in the presence of other earthlings, other creatures that have evolved on this planet. Because what is coming did not evolve on this planet. And that wolf was biding its time. I think that's, again, I think that might be why the wolf was exhibiting that odd behavior. 
And I, I, I'm wondering, I think it'll be interesting if someone, I, I can't, I barely have time to keep doing the show. The show takes up a ton of my time. But I wonder if somebody did figure out the amount of times that aliens have knowingly killed human versus the times humans have knowingly killed aliens. That's one set of statistics. You're like, Jason, nobody has time for this. Versus how many times aliens have killed dogs and dogs have killed aliens. I imagine those numbers would be much, much higher. Again, survivor bias, right? If an alien kills a human, if an alien kills a human, you're not going to hear that story. Unless there is a witness. They're like, golly, he got Joe. Shot, shot him right through the brain. We have covered stories where aliens have killed humans, but just, I'm not even looking for these stories. I, I just stumble across stories where dogs are constantly fighting aliens. And really, if you think about it, it kind of makes us look like chumps. <laughs> like, if you think about it, if we're letting the dogs doing the fighting and the biting, Maybe we should get involved in that. But I would recommend not trying to bite an alien um, unless that's the only weapon you got left. But they're definitely holding their own. Like, yeah, sure, the aliens have killed their good share of dogs as well. But it's just a fascinating story. I absolutely love it. And I wonder really how many dogs have killed aliens and how many aliens have killed dogs. Because I do think those numbers are much higher than human versus alien and alien versus human. I, I think that it's mostly the dogs killing the aliens. And you know what? Here's a little conspiracy theory for you as we wrap up this, this extra long episode. Towards the end of the season, they always get long. What if that's the reason why humans originally started domesticating dogs? What if that's the reason why dogs have played such an important part in human culture, always been a part of human settlements? Is because while we were slowly moving from the Stone Age to the Iron Age, as we were carefully building our city-states, as we were discovering the written word and the wheel, creating laws, we always had the dog alongside our cultures. And the reason was, is there was darker things on the outskirts of mankind. Either from the sky or from the earth below, these creatures, these humanoids, these aliens, even back then, were encroaching on human civilization, taking people out of their bedroom while they slept, running experiments on them, Back before humans even knew what experimentation was, these aliens were doing these things. But even back then, they knew that it was the canine, it was the wolf that man had tamed, that was the main thing that could take down these alien invaders. Is it possible that the ongoing kinship between man and dog isn't just a relationship of convenience? It's an ancestral memory we have of the days when the dog could alert us to the hidden dangers of the darkness. The days that the dog could defend us from the creatures that wanted to snatch us out of our bedrooms. Maybe dogs are not just man's best friend. They're also a protector from the looming cosmic darkness.
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.